To all those with bread, give hunger for justice. And to all those who hunger, give bread. Amen. Eight years ago, along with seven other seminarians, I went on a mission trip to Myanmar, the country in Southeast Asia, formerly known as Burma. While we were there, we went on a long road trip from the city of Yangon in the south up to an archaeological zone, a city, an ancient city of Bagan, about a 12-hour trip or so. And so about five or six hours into the trip, we stopped for lunch in a small town, kind of in the middle of nowhere. We got out of the bus, ate lunch, and bought a few snacks for the road. As with any kind of group travel, some of us got on the bus earlier than others, and so some of us got in the bus and we sat in the back waiting. A few of the village children saw that there were visitors in town, and they surrounded our bus. First, only two or three, not too many. And they were smiling and saying, hello, hello, and laughing and asking us for money. Then a few more. And eventually, there were probably about 25 kids or so all around the bus, all wanting to kind of practice speaking English to us, saying hello to us, and also hoping that we would give them money. Our instructor specifically told us at the beginning of our mission trip not to give people money because especially with children, many children in the region are exploited by their parents to make money. Even if the children get the money, they're ordered to furnish it to their parents and the children don't benefit at all. So we didn't feel like we could give them money. One student thought, maybe I have a good idea. Why don't we give them a couple of bags of the snacks that we bought for the road. They have to be hungry, right? The bus driver started the engines, and we thought, well, if we don't do something quickly, we're going to be out of here anyway. So one of my classmates decides he's going to open the window and hand a kid a bag of potato chips. And then what happened was horrific. All of the children suddenly started attacking the other child in a violent rage of survival and conquest. We started driving off at the moment, but all of my classmates felt scarred by what we witnessed. Such joy turned into rage, to violence, chaos, all over a bag of potato chips. Imagine what feeding 5,000 people with loaves of bread and fish might have done to the crowd Jesus fed. They were ready to make him king. He had to escape. He had to get out of there. So today, people find him again on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The anticipation of this feeding miracle is palpable, and they want the very same thing again. Jesus sees the crowd's superficial joy, but he fears rage, violence, chaos. Who knows what might actually happen? Jesus knows the people of Galilee need a savior. They need a presence of love to dwell with them, to guide them, to shape their society in a way that people are actually valued for who they are and not discarded as commodities or subjects of the state. 
So even though they find Jesus today, he doesn't feed them with food. He's already done that. He feeds them with teaching, with a vision, with something that will help, them, help guide them into something much greater than what they've already experienced. In some ways, this story is a tough one for us to hear because we're conditioned as church-going people to be nice, to do the right thing, to react immediately and try to fix things, react with our actions to make a situation better without always thinking them through. Like Jesus, we actually, we want to help. People are in need. What do we do? Sometimes doing the right thing isn't always clear. Case in point, many of us about six months ago read a book together called Toxic Charity by an author, Robert Lupton. And considering my Myanmar experience, Lupton asked these questions in his book. What good is a sandwich and a cup of soup when a severe addiction has control of a man's life? or a night in a shelter for a young woman who must sell her body to feed her child? The answers to these questions are almost unanswerable because they make our heads spin. Well, so does this gospel reading. But I want to go back to the beginning, to the intent of John's gospel. Right at the very beginning in the prologue, in chapter 1 of John's gospel, John writes why Jesus came into the world to dwell among people with unsolvable questions. He writes, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It is God, the only son, who is close to God's heart. Jesus is close to God's heart so that we might be drawn closer to God's heart. And today's teaching seeks to draw us on a quest to be like Jesus, to break open our hearts to others so that we might imitate him and also be drawn into God's heart as well. The end result is an all-encompassing, wide-embracing, recalibrating, problem-solving, and never-ending love. Sign me up. This is the bread of life, the lechem ha'chaim, the sustenance for all life, for all being, for all joy. Maybe this is why bread is customarily always broken at meals that we see in Scripture, the bread that's broken to share, to impart something of value to someone else. Broken, maybe, to even give life to someone who is starving. Now we're getting somewhere. The bread that takes away all hunger and all thirst, this is the bread that has come down from heaven. It's not temporary. It's broken and given to us for all time through Jesus. The community of people who wrote John's gospel quite a bit later after Jesus' life, this community of people that wrote John's gospel wants us 
to experience our faith like the early Christians did, breaking themselves open like bread in relationship with those who are in need and in fellowship with all who hungered for something about their life that was greater. They had a deep hunger. People who hungered for something greater. All who hungered. Rich people and poor people and Jews and non-Jews and women and men and slaves and free people too. To break open in relationship to the entire family of God. To see that our main source of well-being in the physical and mental and spiritual sense can be fully realized when the community believes in Christ. Now let's talk about that word belief. Some people find this so tough because sometimes we're societally meant to think of it as something exclusionary. Either you sign on the dotted line or you're out of here. This is not the kind of banquet that Jesus is inviting us to. He's inviting us to start in the same way that God started interacting with humans at the beginning of our existence, by longing to be drawn closer to our hearts and our hearts to God's. When we believe in today's sense of the teaching, we want to put ourselves into a frame of mind in word and action that we're going to give our hearts into this reality. We're going to commit ourselves to incorporating the bread of life, to incorporating Jesus and his ministry, and make our journey his journey and vice versa. We commit to entering a sacred mystery that is by no means definable in wholly pragmatic and empirical measures. We're talking about matters of the heart, feelings, Yes, facts too, but feelings and intuition and desire and hopefully a lot of love as well. I bring this all up because today we celebrate the gift of true bread coming to us from heaven, a way forward, a way to live that doesn't give us every answer easily but calls us into relationship, into fellowship, that we are asked to emulate, to break ourselves open for others, to give them life in the name of Christ, in the way that Christ has given us life. When we break ourselves open to love our friends or our spouses or our neighbors and all those strangers that we don't know and haven't met yet, We're allowing God to reveal the essence of real life to us in a way that we continue to grow and learn and prosper. We encounter these moments of discovery in the same way as discovering springs out in the desert or as enjoying an awesome meal at the end of a long day of travel or as wisdom that grows within us over time, to go onward to new places that gathers God's family, all of God's family, into one beloved community. So that while we may truly discern God's ways to, for us to feed people, to feed those in the world who are hungry, or to comfort those who, are mo- to, who mourn, or to proclaim freedom upon oppressed peoples, 
and to live into this desire of a benevolent creator to celebrate the year of the Lord's favor upon everyone. But this starts with our heart, breaking it open as bread, as Christ's bread for the life of the world. As I've said before, we don't have all the answers. You might encounter moments in your life and seeing things like toxic charity or encountering chaos and violence. And some encounters might just make your head spin. What we're talking about today is a quest for life. You've got that life in you. Christ put it there. How do you impart that kind of life to others.